What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 395. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Brian. And John. Wow, I got some <laughs> melody there. I like it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> How you guys doing? Did you have a nice uh, Thanksgiving break? Yes. Yes. Uh, quite a bit of travel. Quite a bit of travel. How, how are you? Yeah, North Carolina, two parts. An hour away, split in town between our two mothers. It's really cool, though. That's really cool. How, how was wow. it, how was everything for you guys? How was that? I mean, I guess as good as it could be. You know, last we had a last minute scenario where we ended up having to host it at our house, which was uh, oh wow, not, not planned. We don't have a very large house. I live in a townhouse, but it wasn't the entire sides, both sides of the family, or anything like okay. that. But. We put it together. It went well. You know, it's it is kind of nice not having to take the kids anywhere. That was kind of a nice little silver lining of doing that. Because mm-hmm. um, all you know, they have all their stuff here, and you know, I don't have to chase them down in places that they don't they don't normally play in. But that was nice. Selfishly, that was part that part was nice. But you know, food's good. Good eats. Good fam. Good time. So yeah, it was good. John, oh. what about you? We, we kind of did a local Friendsgiving thing. You know, our families, both of our families are down in Alabama. Yeah. And that's like a 12 or 13 hour drive. Um, and uh, we have friends that used to live here and then moved to Alabama and come back up. Lately, they've been coming up around Thanksgiving to see all their friends up here. Um, so that's a that's a good group to go spend the day with. But but yeah, I mean, we'd love to see the fa- it, it, that loss of family. Like we've there have been a lot of ways over the years that just not having extended family in the area has been yeah. kind of a like you feel it. And definitely Thanksgiving is one of those times where um, you know I feel like whether you love or hate your family, you're supposed to be forced to sit down and, and have a meal with right. them. Sure. <laughs> and I happen to love uh, my family, so that you know I, I I miss it. But I also think the uh, found family local friendsgiving tra- traditions that people form now i think that stuff can be super meaningful as well so i think it is a um you know it's a it's a thing for which to be thankful and i think the idea that all you're supposed to do is eat um it's a very uh you know that's a very welcoming premise <laughs> it is for sure very good I, I made four chocolate pies over the course of the the weekend for different Wowzer. occasions and different people. i don't know if i've ever had a chocolate pie like a chocolate chest pie i do the kind that's like almost like a it's like a well you know maybe i'll make a pie and let you Maybe you should, John, because, yeah. I mean, that sounds like uh, a blind spot here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had the chess pie from Dangerously Delicious downtown. I don't know if it's oh, like dangerous. that one. I love if dangerous. you can imagine like, that, but with chocolate. I mean, it's it's got that kind of gooey custardy. Okay. It's like more towards the gooey than the custardy, but it's got a little bit of that feeling. Um, and then it's got a little bit of a, a crispy kind of sugary top to it. Everything I'm, I'm hearing done. sounds... Yeah, nothing but, wrong yeah. with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, she's so dirty. Uh, Have you noticed that, Ronald? Yeah, she is. She is. All right. Well, back at the pot here. Uh, here we are. Back in the the schmovie mines. Back in yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, I guess we're going to go into our required viewing, which was my pick from two weeks ago, which was a movie called um, "I'll Take Your Dead." Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I want to say at the top of this section, uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm don't very be sorry. sorry, guys. Um, you know, this is one of those things where, like I said last or a couple weeks ago, it's like I see people talking about these movies and I, I feel hoodwinked a little bit. Mm. I got got, however you want to say it. It's been on my list for a while. 
But um, yeah, when I was picking something, trying to stay in that like horror thriller something vibe, it's the first one that popped up, and I was like, sure. And um, twenty minutes in, I immediately regretted selecting it. Well, mm. did, did this happen to either of you guys? When I found it, the actual title was listed as "I'll Take Your Hour and a Half," which I thought was yeah. a weird. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. It was a weird title. No, um, they... <laughs> I, you know what? Well, it it did sort of have a weird kind of like if Shutter made. <laughs> made lifetime movies kind of feel to it right. or something. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the, the required viewing feature is designed to house sure. the risky bet. And, you know, we don't do a lot of talking about so bad it's good or guilty pleasures or movies. We don't do a lot of picking on movies just to rag on them. But I do yeah. think this this is a nice little berth in the show. If there is a movie that even if you even if you knew it was bad and wanted to share the experience with us, I feel like this is, would be an appropriate uh, place to to share it. I think the problem with this movie is not so much badness as that it's so bare bones and we've seen this kind of bare bones thriller done really well before on an indie budget. And so there's really no reason why they couldn't have pulled this off. And it seems to me that it comes down to like direction and acting uh, or maybe even cinematography and acting that are the things yeah. that that kind of leave this movie feeling sort of middle of the road. And it's a little too little too middle of the road to be schlocky and fun in that way. And it's a little too silly and schlocky to genuinely be like a drama or work in, in that way. And I almost think, too, Steve, the premise... Don't you think the premises are at battle with each other? That this movie's got like... Yes. It's got like the premise of the guy in the country who disposes of bodies and there are ghosts in his house because of yeah. all the bodies he disposes of. The, the the gangs bring their bodies of people they've killed out to him. He dissolves them in acid, I think, in a tub. Um, and that's his operation. And his daughter knows about it and she sees ghosts. That's a movie. The other thing is the person who's supposed to be dead turns out to be alive and then you have to keep him hostage and then there's a whole siege narrative that comes up around that i felt like this movie was kind of battling between wanting to be like a siege narrative uh and a and a creepy i see dead people kind of thing and neither one of them felt overly original but i didn't feel like it was i almost felt like the 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 uh, ghosts and the uh, dissolving of the bodies that felt like window dressing once the movie really got going yeah. it didn't have that much to do i don't know i don't mean to be the one to to talk about this you're the one that brought it in steve how, how did how did you feel watching it? you've already apologized but let's yeah, go deeper yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just feel like i was like opening credits it was like it felt like th those opening credits i don't know if you guys got that vibe but like it felt like the the quick edits of like the saw series to oh me. yeah like the 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 the, yeah. the bathtub with like the drop cloth and like that green kind of filter like that opening sequence. I mean, cause honestly, like my, my, my recollection of seeing people talk about this movie, I had a completely different kind of movie in my head. I never watched the uh, trailer. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do same. Anything. Like I heard I, all the word that I heard around it was I had a, a completely different. Yeah. Just a, even like tone I thought was like way out of left field from what I expected from, mm -hmm. you know, the a year or so ago when I heard a lot about this movie and I feel like it was just like, yeah, it was like immediate when the movie started and like, you know, the way that the credits opened and the 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 the, the music that was playing and, and just like the vibe to the movie, it immediately like felt completely different, like 180 from what I had expected. And from there, it just kind of really, you know, just kind of spiraled out for me. I just feel like, you know, I don't really feel like there was really any kind of saving performance I don't feel like there was really any kind of like great sequence even in the movie that, you know, was interesting in the least. Um, 
And yeah, the point you made about like kind of two movies at odd, you know, both probably half baked in their own. Yeah, that's probably you do that when you don't have enough, you know, of one or the right. other to really make a feature or or some, you know, like an hour, barely an hour and a half movie. But yeah, this was. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, two. I don't like the rag on movies like I, I, I want to watch things because I want to enjoy them, especially when I've heard good things. But yeah, I did not. I did not enjoy this this movie. And like, you know, by the time it gets to the end, it's just like it really started it's one of the one of the ones when we've done it for this section where I, even at my choice my selection i was like this feels like a chore to get through the end of this movie <laughs> you know and when, I, when, and when I was it's like your texting, choice i was like i got to sorry i'm sorry guys i'm texting when it's your you, choice and, and and you can you can feel that i like yeah. i th- i think it's fun though i think i'm like oh man i can't wait i i'm so glad i'm sharing this experience with people i'm a little sorry if it's me That's that true. that that you know if i if i uh I mean, we've had movies that wore on different people's nerves for different reasons, whether they were slow paced or whether it was production values true, or whether true. it was a stylistic thing um, or whether it just wasn't a movie that you that was as good as you remembered. But I think this is that yeah. that middle ground movie where it's not incompetent. It's not it's it's almost not interesting. It's almost not bad enough to be interesting. You know, what what, yeah. what was your take on it, Ronald? <clears throat> uh, so. You know, I I get I don't really like the rag on, especially like scrappy small indie projects, right? For right. Sure. But but one of the issues that I had was tone, and and like you were saying, John, it was two, it was two ideas really fighting each other, and and the issue was like I would have been okay if it had the budget that it did, the acting that it did, and it just stuck to one of those things. But the fact that it didn't really touch on the magic, uh, the 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 supernatural element enough. Yeah, nobody ever acknowledged it out loud. It was yeah. a lot of like, "What the hell is that?" It, and there was no like, "Oh my god, is that a dead person in this space doing things?" Right, or or, or having a presence in this house. That was weird to me. And it felt like the girl had been seeing the ghost for a while, yeah. and she was just kind of halfway used to it or so i mean it, you know what yeah. i mean it felt like a weird version of not telling us not showing us the 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 reaction like you said we didn't get the yeah. emotional connection to yeah. it at all that was and a good I, point and i think just that part alone just didn't make me connect with it i mean in in fact i thought that the subject matter was so dark that it made me more sad than mm-hmm. enjoying the movie i was just like de- like i feel like there has to be some like give and take on the, the 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 idea that like dead people are just in this space like it just seeing those dead kid the dead kid and the dead like and people's legs getting chopped off it, I, I think you have to have some emotional leverage in order it to also had the sort of breaking bad problem of like oh there's there's characters of color in this but they're all yeah. like murderous gang members or dead yeah. bodies you know um, <laughs> or or calling women bitches whenever they got a chance yeah to. yeah yeah it's yeah, just yeah. like that that stuff is is really off-putting and and i think there's an effect that's happened in the last five years i call it the streaming movie effect and it, it just isn't exclusive to netflix where people I, I swear to God, man, in the past five years, people have suggested more bad movies to me in that time than I've ever been suggested in my whole life. And some of it is just because it's accessible and yeah. it's in front of you. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, as I watched on Tubi, there was this movie and you're like, have your standards dropped? You don't yeah. go to the movies anymore. So, like, you don't understand that, like, there are things that are better than this that are put in other places. Yeah. And people are just accepting anything that that's called a movie. 
And I'm not saying that this is like the worst of the worst, but this is, this was rough. This was rough. Yeah. I feel like also like, uh, you know, I, I always am like so excited and, you know, uh, there feels like a sense of discovery when you see like a really great child performance yeah. in a movie. Yes. And, um, and, and the girl in this was not good. No, and she I, really it was, wasn't. It was the opposite I mean, of, of it. <laughs> and like the dude, like imagine if that dude had been played by like one of those character actors that you see and you never get to see do this kind of role. And here he is doing this kind of role. You know, instead it's this kind of non, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it felt like I, I, I wanted to see like, was this shot in Canada or something? Everything about it felt like this, this, <laughs> this like, <laughs> it just was nothing I, no, nothing and nobody that I recognized, you know? Um, yeah. And I also I think that- I know one that, of the actresses, but yeah. Oh. Well, no, I, I, I thought I recognized that um, the main w woman like in the it. the victim, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, then when I looked at her IMDb, I was like, maybe I don't, you know, sometimes I think I recognize somebody and then I look, I look and I'm like, no, maybe I don't, you know, maybe maybe this is just somebody who has a familiar face or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, and again, when I said kind of like if Shudder made Lifetime movies, I really do think <laughs> it had that kind of production value of like, of like, this is, this is a, this is kind of, for you to put on and go, okay, we watched a movie and then get on with your evening. I mean, like, yeah. there's nothing much that's going to grab you. I mean, when you when I think about the good version of this kind of thing, where it's like, um, you know, like a movie like Blue Ruin or something like that, that's super yeah. bare bones and super simple, but the acting is off the charts, the pacing is so tense, the, sh the camera work is involving. There's a way to do this kind of thing and do it in a way that really grabs you. And Steve, that's what I was picturing. When you told me the premise of this, yeah. my mind went wild with like, oh, that sounds so creepy and disturbing and interesting. And the movie didn't really <laughs> want to deal with, uh, like the promise of the premise is is one of those things that, one, you know, one of those screenwriting terms. Um and I don't think I don't think this movie fulfilled the promise of the premise. <clears throat> yeah, I gotta agree. Dang, I'm sorry, guys. No, don't be oh. sorry, because oh, I want to I want to free us up to like uh, you know uh, bring us one that you hate. Bring <laughs> bring us one that, that that keeps you up nights because you don't get why people like. I mean, I do think this uh, this feature can be a fun place. So there's I don't think there's any shame. There's no shame in required viewing. Yeah, I appreciate the yeah. support. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, who's up next, John? Or? I, I'm up next, and uh, I'm gonna, you know, this. I had this movie selected before you told me what your selection was last week, so or a couple weeks ago. So the coincidence is that this movie has the word "dead" in the title. Let's um, go. But this is the oldest movie that we've watched for required viewing. This is from 1945, um, the movie "Dead of Night." Now we talked about the lady killers. I looked at the the our podcast feed right before this episode, and but pretty much a year ago, we talked about the lady killers from 1955, which was made by Ealing Studios, a studio that was mostly known for their comedies in the in the 50s. But in 1945, they made this horror anthology film called Dead of Night, which has like several different horror stories by different oh, wow. authors, filmed by different directors. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that next week. I'm not going to bore you with all those details now. But uh, this is one of those, you know, people talk about this like it still maybe has some juice to it. Or like it was one of the rare occasions in that era, in 1945, for English, for there to be an English horror film. that They, they were sort of banned for a while wow. during the 40s. Um, uh, and I, I'm not really sure why. Maybe if it had something to do with the, the war effort. Um, mm -hmm. uh, at any rate... Um, and I'm not sure why it would have anything to do with the war effort. Now I'm kind of wondering. <laughs> I, I kind of want to find it. But like, uh, what's the, uh, the, the, if you're looking for the film Dead of Night, 
you will find that there is another film from 1977 called Dead of Night. We're not talking mm-hmm. about that. You'll find that Bob Clark, director of Black Christmas, had a film also in 1974, the, the same year okay. that Black Christmas came out, that was called Death Dream, which is also known as Dead of Night, but we're not looking for that. We are looking for the 1945, 1945 Dead, Dead of, of Night, Night, which is um, a little bit harder to find it's on uh it's on Screenbox, i think and the roku channel uh but it's out okay. there it's out it's there on, it's actually found. it's on canopy okay Which, canopy yeah again that's a that's a great free streaming service that you can get through your local library system if you have a library card you can get a free account and watch all yeah. this for free on canopy yeah and if you don't have a library card here's an opportunity to get one you can sign up for one online Get a temporary one. Get canopy until you get your physical. I've I've done that before. Yeah, it, it also works if you uh, if you're a college student or if you're a, you know oh, wow. if, if you're enrolled in you know in a university or or co- college, you can use your uh, your student ID and your your education email address. I think to get a free account there too. But yeah, canopy is pretty slick, man. They got a lot of great stuff, they especially do. when you go deep dives like this. We've we've mentioned it a couple times with some yeah. of the picks here, but. Uh, yeah, Dead of Night is on there, and I just added it to my queue on Canopy. So um, I just saw that it all it says on Wikipedia is horror films were banned from production in Britain during World War II. So it did have something to do with the war, but no explanation as to why <laughs> they were banned. I guess people didn't want to see unpleasant imagery on the screen when their houses were being bombed and shit like that. But you know, like I, I've heard of people that I know. I've heard of. I've heard people that I know that have been through a truly traumatic experience say that they lost interest in horror and violent fiction um, after they lived through something that was truly traumatic like that. So yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that maybe sense. wartime is not a good time to to sit down and watch a horror film. Mm. Although we're in perpetual wartime now, though, right? Mm-hmm. But we're so jaded. That's accurate. Yeah. Anyway, Dead of Night from 1945. Every year, I guess we'll do an Ealing Studios film, um, and this is our this is our entry for 2023. Dead of Night, very good. Okay, cool. Thanks, man. I'm I'm excited to watch something a little older. I'm I'm I'm, I'm down. So what's next, man? We've saw we well, I guess over the last two weeks, we've it's been a bit of a mix of what we've been able to watch. Some things in theaters, some things at home, some TV shows. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Why don't, why don't you start? What, what what's something that you've watched over the past couple of weeks that you wanted to mention today? I mean, this is also an anthology okay. of sorts. Uh, Fargo, oh, uh, yes. season five, five, yeah, season okay. five. Finally, season five. It's back. Man, uh, so you know we're coming off of season four, which was divisive, if people like to say divisive, <laughs> as the Brits was- like to say. <laughs> also aluminium also um, privacy privacy <laughs> i think all of those things were associated with season four of Fargo. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, no offense to this season but it really stuck out like a sore thumb just in terms of tone just in terms of whimsy or lack thereof um and we're coming into season five with something that feels like a little more on track with what we've known from fargo and you know, elevating it even even more, I'd say. Um, I don't know what to say about this so far. I mean, see, the, the, the third, I've, I actually went out my way to watch the third episode today. I did too. Um, it lost me a little bit, but I'm still, I'm still, I'm still into I, it. I think it, 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 I wouldn't say it lost me. I would say that it did a third episode thing, which is 
it settled into a groove a little bit with the story. There were a couple of character check-in scenes. When, when, when you have a show, sometimes you have an episode where you don't really have a character in the episode much, but you do a character check-in scene. And they can be kind of shoe leathery kind of scenes, like a little exposition, a little remember what they're up to. This episode had a couple moments of that. Um, whereas the first two episodes, I think, were just one scene after another that were propelling this thing forward. I think the new stuff we got in episode three was great, though. We really focus on the killer, Munch, uh, old Munch. I find him fascinating. Um, and I also find the sort of, like, there's one edit that's the boldest edit. There's an on-screen, like... Uh, time jump kind of moment that it's it's one of the boldest things i've ever seen on 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 a television show what? so so I'm, yeah yeah I'm, I'm like what okay but yes yes but but i get our- what you're saying about like the first two episodes felt like this is a this is a this is a slow burn fire that's catching fire fast you know it's it's like it's building towards something and then the third episode felt a little bit like a placeholder episode compared to the first two but i 100%. still think that that stuff that ability this show has as you will know from other seasons steve to like just slow down and, and focus on a character and give them yeah. an episode or do an episode that doesn't fit the vibe of the show necessarily like a lot yeah. of these cable shows they they, they do one episode a season that's like that. Um, yeah. I, you know, I love season four of this show, but I do think Me that too. what you're talking about is absolutely right, Ronald. It was all these different elements competing with each other that just didn't quite click the, the with the kind of clockwork that, say, season three, season two, season one, like those seasons, yeah. even with their extraneous elements, they felt like there was something kind of exacting about them. And season yeah. four felt like some elements didn't quite fit with each other, but there was still, you know, great characters, great actors. And let's just talk about that. What this show does is bring these actors into this world that you're so glad are in this world. It reminds me of the fun of, oh, a Coen Brothers movie's coming out. Who's in the cast? And you hear who's yeah. going to work with them. Even though this is not the Coen Brothers, we should be clear this show is yeah. based on their works and it refers to all of them, not just the movie Fargo, but it's not made by them. But the way that when you hear John Hamm's going to be in it, or Juno Temple's going to be in it, or Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall is going to be in it, or Lamorne Morris. Um, the list goes on and on of who is in this Jesus show Christ, and is great in this show. And you look at past seasons and talk about yeah. how great uh, David Thewlis was and talk about how great yeah. Carrie Coon was. Um, this is a this is an actor showcase kind of show. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. My standouts right now, uh, Juno Temple, obviously, Jennifer Jason Lee, John Hamm, and what Lamore is doing yeah. in this season is Steve, I haven't, I haven't even. St- I, well, I so started far, the so first far episode. he's the soulful good cop. Like he's so, so far, he's that you know. Every season of Fargo he's has so, some semblage of a good cop who's trying yeah. to do their job. Yeah. So far, he's that. You know, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a scene that rivals John Wick. Like there's a scene. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rivals like the whole scene and everything happening in it is Juno Temple and him in it. And it's just so intense. It feels like a horror film mixed with mm-hmm. John Wick. And it's 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 shot well. It doesn't nice. feel like TV. And and I think that's what that's what I I, I loved about season four. It felt very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And this feels very cinematic. It's These, epic somehow. Even when epic, even, yeah. even set in 2019, it feels like it's taking an epic scope. Yeah, right. it almost feels like you're watching a piece of a, like a, a movie property that exists. Oh, you yeah. are watching, you know, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like no. almost a bigger thing. Like it, it's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. What John Hamm is doing is really unique. And 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 this is like John Hamm's an asshole in a lot of things. He's a special <laughs> kind of asshole in this one. He's mm-hmm. a special kind of focused 
And I don't know if I've ever seen him this focused in something. Like, he really has, like, a purpose in this season. Um and and this show has played around with that idea, Ronald, of the kind of, I think setting it in 2019, they are clearly playing with the sort of what's happening in America that we might recognize. And yeah. I think even in season three, which was set like, not in the recent history, I think it was set maybe in early 2000s or late 1999s, or 19, 1990s, I mean, um, I, I think there was a um, sense in that that we were getting into this kind of Trumpy modern era of truth not having any foothold like the season three storyline between david thulis and carrie coon is all about her being the person who knows the truth and it doesn't do her a damn bit of good and he's the yeah. guy who like knows the truth doesn't matter and so he's able to work uh you know his his dark magic on everybody uh, uh, roy tillman the john ham character to me he represents that kind of trumpy america but in a different way but he's got yeah. the same kind of like cult of personality uh forcefulness about his character that you can see that and again i don't think the show's dealing with symbols over much it's still characters but there is something that it's commenting on that i feel like when this show comes back you know they've got something on their mind um yeah, sure. and and i think that yeah the john ham character seems to be the main vessel for like whatever the target whatever they're kind of saying is bad in the world yeah uh, he seems to be linked very closely to it um and What's i the, think uh joe keery uh is, it, is that his name from uh yeah. the younger the, the son gator um he, oh, he's man. great he's great in there's so a far. scene he's saying that symbolism there's a scene that scene in the like one of the last scenes of season three when they're like in that tight space talking him yeah. and lamar they like they, it's, you mean they, in episode three yeah episode three when they're yeah, talking yeah. it's it's very clear that yeah there's something trumpy about all of it and and it was on the surface at first Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's like right, right about to kind of get out of there. And then he says it and you're like, aha, I knew it. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I knew you were that kind of person. It's really cool, man. It's 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 cool the way that it approaches it. And it makes it very clear that there are like. I like that this has a lot of heroes and a lot of villains. Yeah. And and it's very clear who is. I mean, you might, we might get some surprises. I think we are going to get some surprises, but yeah. I, I like that there are some clear people that are like menacing people right now. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I also like it, the Fargo tradition of putting <clears throat> sort of sweet, innocent characters in the middle of all this. I think uh, her, her <laughs> yeah. husband, Wayne, is yes. so far this kind of lovable guy that you just, you just, they've, they've already created so many situations where he could by accident or due to some violence, you know, come to something bad. And they've, they've, you know, you know that you're not going to see him escape without some of that but yeah, part yeah. of the joy of this show is the way they can kind of play with that conceit of uh, you know there are characters that are sort of inside the horror of what this, these stories reveal yeah. and then there's characters who are sort of outside and maybe a little bit in denial of the the the, yeah. the darkness of the world that they're in and um, and i think that when two characters are going to meet on the show i mean and i guess i should talk about the other uh actress that i really enjoy richa more Johnny. I, I'm gonna say Rachel more Johnny. Yeah, from Never Have I Ever. You never yeah. have I ever gorgeous and acting her ass off and, and really has this like, you know, this innocence about her that but but also at the same time, like Lamore's situation, he is she is a minority in a space. And and there's like these walls that she hits sometimes that people aren't really you know, yeah. I think it's cool. I think it's really yeah. cool. It's realistic. It's it's very realistic. Well, they've done that before with the female 
cops yes being the sort of like in the boys world of the cops and i think now again maybe that's another way this show set in 2019 it makes sense is to say that now that's you know that now that's a, a black man or a, a, a an indian woman i yeah, believe yeah, although yeah. We, we haven't really gotten to know her character that much but just 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 also seeing people try out their their uh their wisconsin or or south dakota <laughs> accent is part of the fun of this and i will yeah. say i mentioned dave foley from kids in the hall you know i he's having fun uh with an eye patch so and being like the sleazy not really even sleazy just sort of like the efficient lawyer yeah. of this of the jennifer jason lee character so they have a lot of scenes together um and i i, I think there's going to be some fun stuff coming with his character just because he seems to be he seems to know some stuff that he's yeah. not revealing and i think that's fun and i love that noah hawley the guy who makes this show um you know pretty much every season he's cast a, a couple three actors like that who you just you just go oh that, what a cool yeah. thing for this person to get a chance to be in this type of show and dave foley is uh you know like a lot of sketch performers he's a he's a really solid actor <clears throat> he's like a lawyer of a bond villain that's yeah it. right no that's totally like it like this like, he's so good uh but yeah well, i feel overall, like even, even the little bit i've seen of it like him him in the the first episode that i've watched i was just like i couldn't help but think like between him and mark hamill from the house of Usher, yes like that like super efficient Ooh, you know cast, not yeah. much to say unless it matters yeah. little lawyer consigliere <laughs> kind of character i was like this is this is a good run for those kinds of yeah. uh that, that role the guy who's always trying to stop people from saying what they're saying. Yeah. And yeah, like, you can't yeah. say that to me. And, you know, <laughs> let me get, let me do my job. All that stuff. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah we're, we're in the bag for Fargo. Yeah, man. So uh, <laughs> what, what have you guys been watching? Yeah, Steve, something curious. you've seen. You said you've been to the theater recently. Well, uh, I know. Well, so I, the ones I know, I don't think you guys have. Well, I finally saw the Marvels, which I, I thought was fine. I mean, yeah. like, you know, yeah. it was. Yeah. Like it was, you said, middle of the pack was, Marvel. It, it was very middle of the pack Marvel. Yes, very middle of the pack. There are a couple of awesome sequences in it. Some of the, the, I think you guys mentioned it on the podcast already, but like that fight sequence when they finally kind of get their kind of like transfer of powers down, like that all stuff, all that was yeah. really cool. But yeah, very middle for me. Um, I also saw Disney's Wish, which I um, took my daughter to see on opening day. And um, What did I you think really, of it? I, I thought it was good. I mean, like, it's not great. It's not like top tier Disney or anything like that. It, it, it somebody uh, well, a friend of mine I saw a post online. They were like, it, it felt like a rewrite or two away from like a classic Disney film, and I I couldn't agree more. Oh wow! There's some really great characters in it, and there's some really great songs in it too. Um, but as a story, uh, actually, Chris Pine is really good in it. Like as like the the sorcerer king bad guy mm -hmm. in the movie. Um, but that role specifically felt like it was like it could have been like a a classic villain if a little more time had spent you know, been spent on like the story. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I don't get like the hate towards it at all. Like, I don't, I don't understand what people are watching or looking to watch. Um, and maybe right. I need to like change my Twitter bubble or whatever, you know, like I, I don't get it. You know, I feel like most people that I know went and saw it really enjoyed it. I know Aaron. Aaron loved it. And what about the animation? It. What about the animation? Like, I, cause to me, it looks a little like it's halfway between computer animation and cell animation it does but it, it doesn't does. seem like it has the same artistic polish that say like mm. the spider-verse animation does it's almost like a disney attempt to kind of go halfway to that kind of animation but not quite fully finished i don't know i couldn't decide if i yeah. thought it looked good or not honestly i mean i think it looks fine it's mm -hmm. nowhere near that level of any any kind of comparison honestly even some of like the other like illumination stuff or you know like i feel like or blue sky stuff like i think some of those are doing way more than Disney has been doing recently. Yeah. And that, that yeah. sucks to say, but I think that's the reality. 
And that's kind of, I think, why they're struggling. I think that some of the stuff is struggling with stories. Some of it's struggling with the animation. Yeah. But all to say, though, like, it, it's, a, it's a fine, entertaining, with some really great musical. Like, there's specifically two songs. Like, the, the My Wish song, or I think it's called My Wish or Wish. And then um, Knowing What I Know Now is another big song in the middle of the movie that, I mean, those are incredible songs, like moving songs, um, which I, I would be su surprised if one of the two of them doesn't get nominated um, come Oscar time, even if the movie doesn't get much attention otherwise. But yeah, I thought that was, you know, fine. It was it's not great, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, but the one I wanted to mention, and I know, John, you said you saw it as well. Um, I uh, went and saw Thanksgiving mm -hmm. uh, okay. with Eli Roth uh eli roth slasher film uh what like oh, last weekend uh, right after thanksgiving weekend so that was kind of fun to see it you know around the holiday obviously when they released it i wanted to try to see it in theaters mm -hmm. uh you know just ha having heard some good stuff about it but um i kind of came away from that really liking that a lot um i i obviously like i feel like I, the only thing i think or wonder and actually the day we're recording this they announced that they're developing a sequel to it they're, they've already announced that he's gonna come wow. back and write and direct a sequel it's going to come out in 2025 um around thanksgiving but it, it felt very much like you know th this is based off of the grindhouse like fake trailer reel that was playing when they came out um in between um death proof and planet terror that was obviously like kind of like a play up on the grindhouse style and you know playing one of those all those holiday slasher films of like the 70s and 80, late 70s early 80s but you know and i think like this was obviously building out from that this felt more like like honestly it felt straight up like and i know what you did last summer yeah you oh know, kind wow. of story in terms of the beat and the, and the plot which i honestly thought was a smart thing to do and i've actually been listening to him talk about the movie on a couple of podcasts recently and um it was really interesting like to kind of hear about like the decision to kind of go away from I guess what they first uh, had intended for Thanksgiving to be, even when it kind of was a germ of an idea to go beyond that fake trailer. But um, in, in, in the end, like I felt like it was a very fun and entertaining slasher movie, especially, uh, you know, to have a, another holiday theme slasher film, which I love to have around, like whether it's Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, there's always those ones that you'll put on or that we can put on. And I, you know, I kind of walked out of it thinking that, this would definitely be something that I would watch around this time of year, probably every year. And it's got some awesome kills in it. Um, I'm not saying that it was great or anything like that, or, you know, anything super special, but it pretty much was exactly what I was wanting it to be, which was just an entertaining slasher movie with a cool, like, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, whodunit element to this much. Like I said, you know, I know what you did last summer, but, um, an interesting thing I said, like when I, when I went and saw it with Lauren and Brian and, like at, at at the end of the movie we're watching the credits like i've been thinking this a lot recently especially with movies like this that really kind of are rooted in a very young cast mm -hmm. you know and we talked about it on the podcast in a bigger scope but i mean like the idea of there being like no like young movie stars oh, you know like even yeah. for a smaller slasher movie like this it doesn't have a big budget you know it's like there are people in this movie that a lot of younger moviegoers and younger people will recognize mm. like there are characters in this movie that play roles in disney series and you yeah. know social media stars and like you know tiktok star you know like that's what the equivalent is now and <clears throat> it was odd watching it because i feel like i don't know what if, if there's enough to those actors actresses personalities 
like if, if that's contributing to like the audience going to see the movie mm. or is the audience going to see the movie seeing it because it's the horror movie right now or it's Eli Roth or it's you know a slasher movie or they thought the trailer was cool because like you know I recognize like Gina Gershon's in it and Patrick Dempsey's in it but then that's the that's the opposite of the audience that I'm talking about because they probably don't even know who those actors right. and actresses are so it's like a weird like it's a weird crossroads. Like I've been thinking a lot about recently when I see these movies, cause I'm just like, who am I sitting in the audience with? Is it audience of horror fans? Is it an audience of like Addison uh, Ray fans? Is it the dude that's in Disney zombie high, you know, that, that plays one of the main actors in it. Like, I, re- I don't even know his name. I just recognize it. Cause my kid watches that show like yeah. on Disney channel, but like, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Cause like, I, you know, I did enjoy the movie. I'm saying that flat out. Like, I would recommend it personally. Like, if you want a cool, you know, fun slasher film. But like, the thing that sat with me, and it's not even really the quality or the movie itself, was just like I keep thinking about those things. Like, what is bringing people to movies now? Because like, you know, we had that podcast where we talked about like everything is broken, and we may even have mentioned it during that briefly but like you know so many movies are failing on paper or you know financially or whatever and i just can't like you know i have ideas but like you know placing what it is that's actually bringing people to see a movie that's not you know a blockbuster you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know it was a director like do the director has more weight now for certain things than like anybody in the movie and i think that's probably accurate in some cases but like um I don't know. That was a tangent. I'm sorry for going on that. But, no, no, um, no. Um, you well, know, I don't know. Yeah, but Thanksgiving. Well, back to what you, what did you think of it, John? Yeah, I think I probably was a little bit cooler on it than you, um, but I think I essentially agree with what you said. I mean, the the fact that this exists at all as a movie, they had to find some way to resolve, like, how do you take a trailer and, and spin it into a movie? Yeah. I, I think I was kind of missing the... Like, to me, it felt a little bit like, well, why does this exist if it's not going to be doing the 70s, 80s thing? But uh, I had the same thought you said of, like, this feels like a 2000s thing. And maybe that is the smart way to play it because that's already, like, a nostalgic move. It's just for a different era. So I I think it... it, To say disappointed would indicate that I had some preconceived notion of what this movie was going to be. I think I, I... The only preconceived notion I had was it's an Eli Roth thing and he's coming into the space... Where you could argue, even though I'm I'm not really a fan of Terrifier at all, you could argue that like those films and films like it have kind of come into that space that was made by Eli Roth. Yeah, and this was his like a little bit of a stab at no pun intended at all, but like a little bit of a an attempt at at kind of getting in that zone of like oh yeah now we're in this world where there's these kind of extreme horror films coming out that don't have to be like midnight movies and festival movies they can be sort of mainstream hits <clears throat> so yeah. i did feel like I- eli roth having fun uh making a movie that i think people are going to have fun with and um you know i mean i do think it goes over it goes out of its way to be over the top in some kind of funny moments. There's one moment that I still co- don't quite understand how that dumpster lid coming down cut that woman in half. Um, but, that sounds crazy. But that's the kind of shit that happens in an Eli Roth movie, maybe. I was like, yeah, or, you're or, or like a trauma film or, or something yeah. like that. Um, but I think it, that's the kind of... like. So I guess I would say that there are some fun kills, but there's also some moments where 
a kill turns totally absurd and you're like, well, I can't really take this seriously as a horror effort at this point, but I can sort yeah. of see it as a, um, a you know, a, a fun, a movie you're supposed to see with a big crowd and scream and, and yeah. make a lot of noise and talk back at this, you know, the movie and all that stuff. So I don't know. I feel like this movie is, while I while I was sort of hoping for the the genre pastiche a little bit uh, of the seventies eighties movie, I also know people have done that that nostalgia that nostalgia and that that retro vibe of even just making movies that feel like those movies that's already happened. So I can yeah. see why they moved on to something a little different. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I I saw it like in a very sparsely populated afternoon screening, and I was thinking to myself, this would have been much more fun to see with a crowd late at mm. night. Um, and yeah, and I, I, to note, we 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 were in a pretty packed theater actually when we saw it too, and oh, the audience wow. was definitely into it, which was kind of cool. And I would also say maybe this is the kind of movie that because it's got kills that are wacky and it's got to kill every ten minutes or something like that. Um, it is maybe it is one that would live on in the kind of you know watch it at home with your friends kind of way. We've yeah. talked about this with various horror films, slasher films. You know, there's a certain rewatchability that some films have. And this one, I think I could probably at least get through it one more time um, if I was sitting there with somebody that I wanted to find out what they thought of it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else? What else? What else? Oh, I wanted to quickly mention I watched I watched Nyad uh-huh. on uh, on uh, Netflix. It's like one mm. of their maybe one of their award plays um, specifically for the actor acting categories. Um I thought it was great. I don't know. Have, have you guys heard about this? Or I've, I've, about I've heard it? of it and I know of it and it's kind of on my short list, but I have not gotten around to it. I mean, again, something I didn't have really much awareness of. I knew a little bit about like the story of Diane and I had, like the true story that is based on <clears throat> just in terms of like the, the swimming feats that she accomplished, you know, earlier and later in her life. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I just was, you know, I kept seeing it pop up on my feed and um And honestly, like the big thing, my big, my huge takeaway, I thought the movie was great. Like I immediately recommended it to my parents to watch because like this is a movie you're going to love. Like, mm. I don't know what that means about that, but I'm just saying like <laughs> it's a feel good. It's a feel good. It's got it's like it's got that sports, you know, accomplishment, achieving, especially like, you know, because what she's achieving is later in her life, which like no one found to be possible, you know, at the time she's doing it. There are younger swimmers attempting it as at the same time in you know in real life, and and failing at it as well. Um, but it was just very inspirational. Um, and uh, Annette Bening is great in it. But God damn it, did I not leave this movie just saying, why do we not have more Jodie Foster? Mm-hmm. I, I it's one of those moments where I was just like, and I forget what we watched recently where we were we we talked we had the same feeling about an actor and actress. We were like, I just want more of them. It was very recent. I forget what it was, but I had the same feeling watching this movie coming out of it, just being like, Jodie Foster is one of the best ever. Like, she is just, I love her in everything she's in. And it made me even more excited for the new season of True Detective, mm. which is coming out earlier next year, which, or later this year, earlier next year. Um, but yeah, it just made me even more excited to see her in that. But she plays, um, you know, her her close friend, coach, that kind of gets her through the training and this feat that she's trying to accomplish. Um, uh, what's his name? Reese uh, fans, Reese fans. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays. He's he's in the film as well. He's great. He plays like the boat 
uh, the captain um, of the of the charter that they kind of hire to kind of do this with them. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Again, like it's just one of those. It didn't feel like I, I don't know whatever that stigma is of like a Netflix movie. I mean, it's on Netflix, um, but like it's made by the, the 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 documentary team that made like the Rescue and Free Solo. But this is like their feature. I think maybe one of the first feature films that they made. Jimmy Chin. Um, I can't remember the other co-director's name escapes me but yeah i don't know that was my surprise of the week i think was like i just threw that on passively heard people talking about people being great in it and being very like kind of inspiring and motivational and um it 100 percent is it's one of the better netflix movies i've seen this year for sure and uh i would definitely recommend it especially if you want the reminder of how great jodie foster is and just like mm. why why you know let's get more more jodie foster in the world she's just wonderful in it but um yeah, I think that was the only other one I wanted to mention. What 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 else have you guys seen? Wow. Uh, one of you saw Napoleon, right? Yes. Oh, okay. What do you got there? Oh, oh he's Wanda got the WandaVision Vision set. Yeah, man. Oh, the box look, set. it's been a while since I've seen it. It's been a while. Masterpiece. The show is a fucking masterpiece to me. It's my favorite show. I, I bet love, I bet I it ones. I bet it plays great now. I mean, if if it oh, if it still yeah, holds it up, different. I bet it plays great now. Honestly, though, because it really oh. did have something unique going for yeah. it and a reason to exist and the characters that we were invested in and all that stuff. Yeah. Also, didn't tell you this, but I'm watching the MCU movies in chronological order, in event order. I guess yeah. that, that okay. chronological chronological order. I'm now getting to Guardians, the first Guardians, and the first two Guardians are one after the other. Right. And then uh, I've been trying to watch some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff in between to respect it. Because of the book, I'm like, man, they tried to make this show and they really tried to connect it to the movies. Um, But WandaVision is a masterpiece. It is like, you know, to me, it's WandaVision and then low key right underneath it. Um, It's just a special show with a lot of like and maybe after having Zuri it hits a little different, you know, just like the idea of what, like... Oh, right, right, what her what her essential cl- climb, uh, like conflict is. Yeah, the, her conflict, and then, like, I guess loss in a way, too. Like, you know, what, what you do with loss um, and how you process it and what you do to protect yourself in all of it is kind of something I can relate to in a way, you know? And um, that with her, you know, Wanda's whole motherhood thing, and every and, and the arc of that whole thing is just incredible. And in this version of it, man, I know that I know that people don't like physical media, but fuck, does it make a difference in the quality when you watch it? Uh, I I keep hearing that physical media is making a comeback, even it with is. like even with like younger uh, viewers and stuff. You know, something's so. happening. Like you know, it's weird because like the Best Buy thing came, and I'm like, no, like there's more. There's been like maybe 50 or so physical media releases that I know of each month. That's like triple what it used to be. It is a weird time. Like these like boutique labels. So like there's a Super Mario Brothers, the the one from the 90s has been released from an Australian label. They get these odd titles, you know, they make them look the best that they can and they release them and people love them. You know, it's just, it's really cool to see this. And Disney putting these out is really neat because it's not, it doesn't seem like a thing that they want to do forever. 
But so so like if you can grab some of these things, I say grab them. Even if you want to wait till they get a little cheaper, because they're they're not they're not cheap. This is fifty dollars for this. For the way days. you're the way you're describing this makes me think of the 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 gas crisis episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> When it's like when you're like if you can find it, grab it. Like them buying barrels of gas and and Charlie <laughs> jumping out of the back of the van yelling wild card. Uh, yeah, good times, good times. Wild card bitches. Um, yeah, that was like one of my favorite episodes. Um, anything else from, on that, Ronald? Uh, no, just uh, it's just it's just a gorgeous show with a lot of cool act. Like I, the you know the two yeah. leads killing it. You know, it's just right, acting right. at his at its highest. And and I thought that everything was going to be on that level. And then I had to wait until low key to see <laughs> you right, know well, anything even come back people. around, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, okay. Yes, Loki is showing us that people are trying to act their ass off in these things." So, it yeah. It's interesting. So, um yeah, what do what else have you got? Well, since since you're holding up a product, uh I'll mention I mentioned this to you guys. I'm reading a book a very nice look at this book. It's got the that's it's really got nice. The, it's got the gilded pages. Ooh, wow. got, got the built-in <laughs> bookmark. Oh, you know, it's uh, like oh. you, you have to put on a button-down shirt if you're reading a book that has a, <laughs> a built-in bookmark. But this is a book called "A Masterpiece in Disarray," and okay. it, it is uh, an oral history and a and 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 beyond an oral history. There's different chapters that are oral history and others that are just straight, uh, you know, research. Nonfiction. That's about the making of David Lynch's Dune, and oh, wow. I, you know that movie's not like one of my huge touchstones, but I have always found it to be an interesting, flawed movie, both where it sits in his filmography and also as an adaptation of this huge book that we also know. You know, of course, Jodorowsky tried to adapt it, and that didn't happen, and there were others as well. So David Lynch got this in basically at a time when he had turned down doing uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. So you know he was he was not quite established as the David Lynch that we know now, but he already was kind of an odd, interesting guy. Um, and he had made Eraserhead, which was pretty odd, but he had also made The Elephant Man, which was a, a you know a very mainstream kind of uh, drama. So I don't know. This was an, an interesting story. I don't necessarily want to read a book about why a movie's bad or why a movie failed, but anything that's kind of big and flawed like that. It's cool to see this movie, this book that he, you know, he talks to as many people as he can as far as yeah. the interviews. So you're finding out about pre-production, the actual oh. production, post-production, wow. all that stuff. And I just watched the the David Lynch Dune in, you know, in tandem with this. I had not seen it since they've, you know, rescanned it and it's all high res now. Beautiful and it's set design and costume design in some scenes. Honestly, like the first <laughs> third of the movie that's set on the... Uh, uh, Atreides. Uh, well, not on Arrakis. Before they get to Arrakis, the set in the Atreides family's like oh right, house the and palace. Stuff. Th that yeah, stuff yeah. is beautiful in the David Lynch yeah, version. Yeah. This weird wood paneling and ornate stuff. I don't know. I was blown away by the set design. Uh, it is a truly weird movie, though. And and <laughs> part of it is because it becomes incoherent because you can tell they didn't get to shoot everything they needed to really make the story work. But also, it's just weird because. Even in the Denny Villeneuve movie, where you know you've got like you're hearing people's thoughts and your your uh, people's voices are changing when they're using magic and all kind of wacky stuff that makes it that is like part of the high concept of Dune. Um, and David Lynch has just always been an interesting oddball guy who makes his own kind of thing. So I'm I'm in the middle of that book and interested in that. I wanted to mention you mentioned Napoleon. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, it's a big movie. You know Ridley Scott. People might have different feelings about where he is in his career. I think we've talked on the show about how we're amazed at his work ethic and how yeah, he keeps cranking sure. out movies. I saw this thing that said this, mo this movie was announced when he was finishing 
uh, The Last Duel in 2021. And it's like, shit, a guy who's 80 is announcing this movie in 2021 and then making this movie, this giant epic movie. Now, Crazy. Th- the usual Ridley Scott uh, issues, you could say, are there. There's some moments where the uh, extent of the color correction... Uh, it's almost it kind of makes the movie a little visually murky at times. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's very lovely, and I've seen people compare like this is what the original shot looked like, and here's what Ridley Scott did to it. As though bright colors that are really brightly lit is what you want in a movie. Um, and I think Ridley Scott is doing something artistic, but there is still some sort of there's a little bit of digital noise or something I'm getting sometimes in his color correction. But that uh, does not mean the whole movie feels that way. There's some scenes and sequences that are startling, and as you might expect. Uh, the the acting showcase it's it's the Joaquin show I mean he's he's doing something yeah. really interesting in this character I, I just think that embodying Napoleon is something that you need a certain kind of uh, uh, an actor who's got some wild instincts and some some real courage to the way they'll take on a role and you know Look no I don't further. know <laughs> I mean, honestly no the physicality the fact that Joaquin usually plays darker damaged more like forbidding unpleasant people and the fact that for all the war and death that Napoleon was responsible for he was not is in the movie anyway is not depicted as like an unpleasant person necessarily I mean he is he is kind of a weird little obsessive asshole but I'm just saying he has moments where if this were like the trashy version of this story and it weren't based on history um, he'd just be killing people left and right and like cracking right. heads and snapping necks but instead he's got to be slightly diplomatic and there's like r- rules of the society that he's in and he kind of exists as a guy who you know the movie doesn't depict him as a likable guy at all don't worry this is not a movie that purchases his <laughs> reputation but it does sort of depict the idea of how larger than life his ideas and his thoughts about himself were and how he sat outside of the society that he was in and knew how to rally people and knew how to command that kind of loyalty that allowed him to really shake things up. Um, I don't know if you knew that, but Napoleon really shook things up. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he gets a I've complex named after him, right? He, so I, I don't know. There, there's, a, there's a whole, and also Vanessa Kirby as Josephine is um, in, incredible as well. There's some really fun moments. The, the lightest moments in the movie come between the two of them and his kind of weird horniness and love for her is kind of a source of comedy in the movie it makes him seem faintly ridiculous when he's also going around and you know trying to conquer the world and stuff so um uh you know i think a lot of people are going to say this movie is long it is a little samey uh because you're not getting like whereas killers of the flower moon is three and a half hours long it's one story that you're following so when you go from one scene to the next there's a certain kind of narrative drive to it this is not as long as that it's two hours and 37 minutes but it feels a little longer because it is still doing a little bit of that biopic thing of a scene ends and then just another scene picks up and it's like, uh-huh. oh, here's this important moment and here's this important moment and here's it, you know. And sometimes the story is carried by character and 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 narrative and those moments are really satisfying. Other moments it is a little bit like, you you know, you hear that how much footage gets shot for a movie like this and I believe there probably was. A, a much longer version of this that might have connected some of those scenes a little bit well, more. Well, he said that, uh, he said that the, well, allegedly, apparently, uh, the the version that's going to be on Apple TV is going to be four hours long. See, I don't know that it needs to be that, but home viewing, four hours you can do. You can, yeah. you know, you can t- take it in shifts or whatever. What if it gets broken up in episodes? Would you be okay with that, Steve? <sighs> oh, that's interesting. Because um, they could do that. I mean, they, they, they did it for, what's the name? Um... The Tarantino movie. Yeah. And they um, broke it up on Netflix. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, the the Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Uh, I, I mean, 
sure maybe that helps people like know where 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 to take a break maybe like but i mean i feel like <laughs> i feel like if you broke it up into like four episodes i would probably still watch them all at the same time right you still watch like, personally still, yeah like That's if it if it if it equates to a binge still if it's good yeah you know right. like i would still ch- i would still do that the math still is the same the it's so strange how our minds do that man. yeah we could, yeah we could watch 20 hours or something i remember i remember lockdown watching season after season or something. But if somebody said it's a three-hour movie, I'm like, don't you ever put a three-hour movie in front of me. I'll <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. What about you? Would you watch a a, a broken-up one, John? I mean, I hour? when I'm watching a movie like this, and if I'm ever thinking about the length of it, which in this case I was, so that's a sign of something that I actually was noticing the length, you know, um, and thinking about, well, I, I, I'll, I'll mentally do that job of like, if this was a television show, would this feel like three episodes or would this feel like one long episode drawn out? And I think that this, again, the sameness would hurt this if it were a show. You wouldn't be getting like new things in episode two that you hadn't seen before, kind of. But I do think mentally like oh this feels like a break and there were a couple points in the movie where i would have thought oh yeah that that feels like it could be the end of an episode if they wanted Mm. to do that so i i'm I'm interested in the the four hour version in a sense because maybe having more more scenes will fill out some of those historical moments so that it doesn't feel like a highlight reel in kind of a, a weird way um but the real thrust is the romance and the the not the romance necessarily but the love story of napoleon's love for josephine his very possessive very jealous very oh. like self-serving love um that you know here's a guy who really thought he was supposed to rule the world and so in his mind you know any woman like he loved her but it was because of what it was what was special about her to him was that she's precious to him you know what i mean it's yeah. it's it's twisted um but Vanessa Kirby and uh, and Joaquin Phoenix are great, and it's, it's really cool people in the supporting cast too. Not a lot of recognizable faces that jump out, but some names like Rupert Everett looked totally different than the last time I'd seen him. Uh, but he's really good in this. Um, so there's you know there's lots of little quiet turns like that that are fun to see. Um, and I just want to throw out there since we're talking about watching something on Netflix, um, uh, Scott Pilgrim takes off is so good. It it's is so good. It's, it's just so really good. good. Like, and it makes you realize what a cast that movie had in 2010. That yeah. the, the they got pretty much everyone to come back, and the names in the opening credits are insane. I mean, it's it's insane, and it's such a cool thing that they they didn't just hire an American studio to do a pastiche of of uh, anime. They got anime directors. Um, and an anime a showrunner who had done uh, you know had worked in Japan. Um, I don't know. I, it just the look and feel of it is so. I'm, that's not. I don't even watch a lot of anime. It's not even my bag necessarily. But when it's when it's inventive and it's got a cool style, I love to see that. And this show really does feel very handmade and very personal and very funny and very sweet. And it's I think a perfect update on the movie. Like, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fucking perfect movie. I don't people don't talk about it that much. I love Scott oh, Pilgrim versus Scott the World. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, and this is a great. They, they the the creator. Uh, said he didn't want to come back and do anything else that wasn't something different. And I think they found a fantastic way to do that, to be like, this doesn't step on the movie at all. It's kind of a sequel and kind of not. Um, but it is, uh, yeah, I, I was just, I was so full of joy when I was watching it. You know, it's one of those things. Nice. Yeah. It's really good. All right. Is that a show? I think, I think so. so. If two people say, I think so, at the same time, <laughs> that means we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the plan for next week? Do we have any idea what we're going to be talking about next week? 
Kinda... Oh, I, I tell you right now, I, I really want to make an effort to go see Godzilla minus one this week. Oh, yeah, I yeah. want to see that movie so bad. I, I, I have been seeing so many things about it, and I almost went last night, but I could not make the fan, the fan, like they had that eight o'clock fan screening. Hmm. And uh, I was so bummed out because I was going to try to make it work. But like, yeah, people are just gu- gushing over it. And I'm just in a mindset right now watching Monarch that I like. I just want to see more Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. And if this is even better, I'm just like, man, I need to watch it this weekend. I need did, to. Did you see the budget on that movie? Well, I've been seeing that, but apparently that's a bit misreported from what what's coming out now. But it's just it's just resource. Even if it's even if it's double that, even if it's five times that <laughs> okay let's just be sense. real the the number that they're throwing around is 15 million dollars but know? a lot of, but the last you know? one was like that the last um yes shin godzilla that budget was like that and it was like it was like it might have been 13 million versus right. the 15 million that they're saying shin godzilla had a low budget like that and it still looked damn good yeah i mean Whatever it was, you know, anything sub a hundred, if it's real dollars, that, Shin that thing, also it, fifteen it, million. It, it looks it looks amazing. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm excited to see that. I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe if we all have a chance to check it out, we could talk oh, about that. I want to see that so bad. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's it's kind of in the in the zeitgeist. It feels like for a bit right now. So, um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, moviesmovie.com is the website. You can go there to. Choose which podcast platform you want to subscribe through. Um, YouTube.com slash movies movie podcast if you prefer the, the video element of the show. But yeah, next week we'll be back. Uh, what, John's pick for required viewing, Dead of Night. Dead of Night from 1945. From 1945. And again, it's on Canopy. If you have a library card, if you are a student, you can get it for free. If not, like Ronald said, just sign up for a library card anyway because you should have yeah. one. Yeah, uh, let's be real. Yeah, but yeah, it, it streams for free on Canopy. So if you want to watch along with that uh, for next week, that'd be great. And uh, otherwise, we'll just kind of get a plan together behind the scenes, and we'll see you guys next week. As always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.